0: We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Reverend Carl Gallups of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates, and with me in the studio, as he is every week, is the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, Reverend Carl Gallops. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Mike. It is always a great pleasure to be here. I anxiously look forward to these programs every week. We talk about this show, and we hear in other forums the stories of the Bible and of Christianity and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as a Baptist preacher, that is central to your teachings, Mm -hmm. in your theology. Uh On a personal level, we know the stories, but on a personal level, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean? Yeah, it means
1: absolutely and essentially and unequivocally everything to the Christian faith. It is everything. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Mike, had there not been a resurrection, then Jesus's cross, his crucifixion and his blood that was shed as precious as all that is to us Christians, to we Christians, it would have meant nothing. His cross would have meant nothing. His crucifixion would have meant nothing. His shed blood would have meant nothing had it not been for the resurrection. Why do I say that? That almost sounds like blasphemy for a Christian to say that. But it is the absolute truth. Why? Oh, because there had been many people who had died on crosses before Jesus. There had been a lot of blood shed on Roman crosses before Jesus. There had even been religious people who had been crucified before Jesus. There had even been religious leaders before Jesus who had been crucified. There had even been people crucified who were claiming some kind of messiahship or prophetship who had been crucified by the Romans uh, because of their religious zealotry and the fear that the Romans had that this would cause a religious uprising among the Jews. Thousands of Jews had been crucified in the years prior to Jesus. Jesus would have been just another religious nut, another religious zealot who had been making religious claims except for one thing. For three years of public ministry, he told his followers, both his enemies and his friends, how he would die, when he would die, why he would die, who would kill him, what it was all about, and also, don't worry, because three days later I will come out of the grave to prove that I am God in the flesh, that I am God with you. He made those prophecies, Mike, for three years to hundreds and hundreds, yea, thousands of people in those three years, he told he told his inner circle intimate things about all of that and promised them, you will see me rise again. When that happened, Mike, that had never happened in human history before. It has never happened since then. When that happened, it was absolutely um, astounding. It was absolutely essential to Jesus' message because had he not made that claim... Had he not made that claim and just said, I'm going to go to a cross and die for your sin. Well, again, then people would say, well, okay, other nuts have gone to crosses and made religious claims, too. But he always capped it off with the exclamation point of I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to die for your sin. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to fulfill the Old Testament scriptures. I am the Passover lamb. I am the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I will rise from the grave again. And he didn't just say, I'll rise from the grave. He said, after three days and three nights, I will rise from the grave to prove to you that I am the Lord of life. And so, Mike, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely central to our understanding of who Jesus was and is. It's absolutely central to the Christian message. As a matter of fact, when we come to the biblical preaching in the New Testament, Peter and Paul, especially John and, and these guys, we, we read the scriptures, the New Testament scriptures. Whenever there's a sermon that's recorded or a partial sermon of preachings recorded by these these, these uh, disciples and apostles, the resurrection is always central to their theme. Uh, When Paul goes from synagogue to synagogue proving that Jesus is the Christ, it's his resurrection that is the proof of it. It's his resurrection that's the central theme. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential. As a matter of fact, Mike, there are several documented cases of, uh, there are books written about the fact that for 2,000 years, people have been trying to disprove the resurrection. Very intelligent people. Uh, very uh Um, what what are the words I want to try to use here? Not well-meaning because they were trying to destroy Christianity, but very sincere people who who truly believe that the whole Jesus stuff is a bunch of junk and the whole resurrection stuff is a bunch of mythology. And uh, yeah, the the Bible says it, but nothing else says it, they would say. And so we're going to research this. And there are documented cases. C.S. Lewis is one, a modern day person, Josh McDowell is another one. There are others, many others who set out to disprove the Christ event and to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason they want to disprove the resurrection is because they know, as Christians know, that that's the central proof of the whole Christ event. If you can disprove the resurrection, if you can find Jesus' bones in a grave, (laughs) then Christianity is, is gone. It's a myth. Jesus was just another religious nut that died, okay? And so, so these people, these well-documented cases, these guys set out to disprove Christianity by setting out to disprove the resurrection. And like Josh McDowell says, he says, I kept running up against the brick wall of the mountain of evidence, historical documented evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Finally, he said, I had to face the fact that there was a man that lived 2,000 years ago who walked the face of the earth and said he would rise from the grave. And all of the historical documentation outside of the Bible indicates that that happened. And that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people who literally went to their death, died martyrs' deaths, all of the disciples died martyrs' deaths and or were uh, uh, severely persecuted for their faith. All of the inner circle of the disciples, the hundreds that followed him everywhere he went, they, they were persecuted and or went to their death. They were more certain, of Jesus' resurrection from the grave than they were of their own life. And and this mountain of evidence is recorded in extra-biblical historical sources coming right out of the day in which these things happened as well as the biblical sources which can all be taken back to that day and by using literary means of interpretation and and literary examination, they, they, they are found to be the most reliable ancient documents we have in the world. When you take all of that evidence into consideration and explore it in depth and the historical sources coming out of those days you discover that there was a man who walked the face of the earth that claimed to be God in the flesh who came out of a grave alive after three days after everyone saw him dead and crucified, spears rammed in Aside uh, everything else that went with it, and here he is walking the face of the earth alive again. Mike, it changed the world. It changed. It changed the <laughs> the world. The calendar systems of the world today have been changed to to mark the Christ event. So the because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Mike. There are some sociologists tell us there are some two thousand different forms of religions in the world. The thing about Christianity that makes it totally unique. T totally unique that stands above all the other quote religious systems of the world. I don't like referring to Christianity as religion. Uh, For the sake of this argument I will. I like to refer to it as the way to a relationship with God. Um, a personal relationship. And there is a big difference between religiosity and a relationship. Religiosity is what put Jesus on the cross. Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, the Sanhedrin Council, they were the religious people. They put him on a cross. But Jesus stressed, hey, have a relationship with the God that created you. <laughs> Through God in the flesh, me, I'm here on the face of the earth. Bow your knee to me, understand that I am he, and, and you'll in and the doorway will be open to relationship. So out of the 2,000 religious systems of the world, there's one, if you'll allow me to call Christianity a religion, there's one religion that rises to the top as totally unique, and it's Christianity. Why? Because out of the 2,000 religious systems, there are only four or five that are based upon human personalities. Okay, mm-hmm. And out of that the the others are based upon laws and systems of religion and systems of inner finding your inner self and all of this. But four or five are based upon personalities: Confucius and Buddha and you know Allah, Muhammad. I may be getting some of it wrong, but there you know there are personalities involved in some of these religions. But only one is based upon a real person who really lived really documented, who really walked the face of this earth for three years, who really did things that nobody had ever seen before, things that men said only God could do, who really opened the eyes of the blind, who really caused the the lame to walk, who really uh, caused the deaf to hear, who really healed the leper skin, uh, uh, who, who did all of these things, who really went to a cross, who really died on that cross, who really was buried in a tomb that was guarded by real Roman soldiers, sealed with the signet ring of the emperor himself, of Pilate, and the, and the Roman Empire, and who really came out of that grave three days later, uh, and, and who really walked the face of the earth, and presented himself alive to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. Um, and that is the difference between the 2,000 religious systems of the world and Christianity based upon a real person who lived in real history who really did these things. And I like telling people, Mike, you know, people say, well, why don't you follow some other religious system? Well, when another man goes to a cross and says, I'm doing this for Carl Gallup and his sin, and says, I'll walk out of the grave alive, and for three years tells everybody when he's going to die, why he's going to die, how he's going to die, who's going to kill him, what it's all about, but don't worry, three days later I'm coming out of a grave, then I'll listen to that man, you see. And and, And I'll believe anything else Jesus tells me. And and the Scripture is clear, that He makes it clear that He's the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by Him. And this is all based upon the resurrection. Mike, please hear me, and I want the listeners to hear me. The crucifixion of Jesus is precious to me. His cross is precious to me. We sing songs, the old rugged cross, and on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. We sing songs about the blood of Jesus, you know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious is the blood of Jesus. Um, His blood is precious to me. His cross is precious to me. His crucifixion is precious to me. But I know in my heart that none of that would mean anything had it not been for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for him coming out of that grave alive and proving to the world that he is and was and, and forever shall be the Lamb of God, the Christ, God in the
0: flesh, God with us. Now, when he came out of the grave, when his resurrection, it was a physical resurrection. And we know from the story of Timothy, you know, having to poke the so, not Timothy, excuse me, Thomas, having to poke the flesh and put his fingers in the wounds. That's where doubting Tom comes from. We know that Jesus took the form or kept the form of his physical body that he had before his crucifixion. Right. 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 Do we know, because when the, when the stone was rolled away from the tomb, the tomb was empty. Do we know how the body of Jesus got out? It was a sealed tomb, which is part of the mystery. And I know that right. the, the weight of the stone, it, it, his body couldn't have been stolen by his disciples. No. We know that. No, no, the but disi- do we have fact- any theories on how supernaturally the body, the physical body left the tomb that was sealed? Yeah. Well, I think that the common sense answer to that would be that that body was
1: made alive and made whole by the power of God himself, Jesus Christ and that he walked out of that tomb in the body he went into it with. But now it was glorified. Now it was healed and whole, and it was glorified never to die again, just as we will be given, the Bible says, a glorified body when we enter into the presence of the Lord. That would be the common sense answer to to the question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, no, the disciples, not only did they not steal it, but when they first heard the reports the body was gone, what did they do? They ran and hid. Why? They thought that the Roman soldiers were going to come after them. Why? Because they thought that the Roman soldiers would think that they did steal it. Mm-hmm. They were terrified. They they, they they, had heard Jesus talk about rising from the grave. But, you know, Mike, gosh, they, 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 I don't never know. Happened they, they, no, proud. they didn't believe that. I mean, I mean they, they might have believed it, but how could their mind? You know, they're thinking, okay, spiritually he'll rise or he'll be with us in our hearts or he'll, you know. But when the women came back, and by the way, the women didn't go looking for, the, uh, for a resurrected Jesus either. It wasn't that the women were of great faith. They were doing women's work. (laughs) They were going to go down to that dead, stinking body and anoint it with spices. Now, they loved him and all, you know, but but they didn't go down there saying, oh, good, let's go see the resurrected Jesus. Now, the scriptures are very clear. They went to the grave to anoint his body and to get it ready because it was so hastily taken down on Christ. Passover day, Thursday, Passover day, and put in the tomb that they had to wait until after all the rituals of Passover were gone and, 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 and the Friday was gone which was the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Saturday was gone which was the Jewish Sabbath. All of those Sabbath days had to be over with. Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jewish Sabbath. Then finally Sunday the first day of the week, no, pa- no religious holiday, no Sabbath, totally free to do work They went down to the tomb that Sunday morning early because they knew they had already lost three good days of a stinking body. Mm -hmm. And they went down to the tomb to ask permission from those guards who had been placed there by the Sanhedrin Council, by the way. Why were the guards placed there? Because the Sanhedrin Council told Pilate, said, while he was on this earth, he told us three days later he'd rise from the grave. He said, let's seal that tomb and let's guard that thing. Let, no, let the disciples come steal that body and pull a hoax on us. Mm-hmm. Pilate agreed. Sanhedrin council agreed. And they posted the guards. And those ladies were going to go down and ask the guards, could they please, under guard, go in and anoint the body? But when they got there... The guards were in bewilderment. They were running around distraught because an earthquake had happened. The tomb was rolled open. Nobody was in it. The women saw the the angelic beings there. Um, The guards were in fear for their life. Why? Because, under Roman law, if you were guarding something sealed with the signet ring signature of of the Roman Empire and you allowed that thing to escape or that person to escape or that money you were guarding or whatever it was you were guarding under this, if that, it was the death penalty. For a Roman soldier. And there was a legion of Roman soldiers, excuse me, a company of Roman soldiers assigned to guarding that tomb. And here they were that morning, the sun rising, the earthquake happened, the, the, the tomb was open, the body was gone, and those soldiers knew they would be dead. And the women went running back to the disciples and said, he's not there, the body is gone. And the disciples went and hid in fear. So, no, they didn't
0: steal the body. That was the last thing on their mind. We have got to take our break now, but when we get back from the break, let's talk about what the resurrected Jesus did on earth before he ascended into heaven. Okay. He had a mission then too, right? Yep. Well, let's find out what that mission was. When Ask the Preacher continues. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates, with me in the studio, Reverend Carl Gallups. Carl, we've been talking about what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means, and what happened to the point of his resurrection. Let's use the second half of today's program to talk about his ministry after the resurrection. Um, First of all, how long after the resurrection did he stay on earth before his ascension? Yeah, the Bible says,
1: I think it's in the book of Acts, the Bible says that he was uh, on the face of the earth for 40 days after the
0: resurrection, 40 days. In his physical form that he had prior to his crucifixion?
1: Yes, and I'm going to use a qualifier. Yes, in his physical form, he was Jesus... In the physical form he had prior, well it was glorified. And remember right before his crucifixion, that physical form was beaten beyond recognition by the by the lashing of the Roman soldiers. And then the crucifixion according to the scriptures, he was beaten beyond recognition as a human being. And if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that's a good depiction mm-hmm. of what that would have been like. So, was he raised in that kind of form? Of course not. But his body was whole, it was clean, uh, the, 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 the brutal, brutal wounds were gone, save the nail prints in his hand and the scar in his side, because remember Thomas himself wanted to touch those. But other than that, his body was whole, clean, glorified, never to die again, but it was Jesus in physical form. In fact, we know it was physical, so the Bible tells us he ate with the disciples, Mm -hmm. sat down and ate with them several times, presented himself alive to the disciples. So yes, it was in a physical form. 40 days he was on the face of the earth, the Bible says, before he ascended back into heaven.
0: And how many people saw him during this 40-day period?
1: Well, we don't know exactly, but we get a good hint from the scriptures. In one of the books of Corinthians, we have First and Second Corinthians. And and you know, Mike, just for a listener, so they don't think I'm totally biblically stupid here, We, <laughs> we, you and I just do this kind of off the top of our heads. We don't come in with bunches of notes. In fact, Today, you know, you walked in and said, here's what we're going to talk about. And so we don't do a whole lot of pre-preparation, preparation, but but rather um, uh, we, 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 we just speak as 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 you ask the question. So my answer is in one of the books of the Corinthians, um, Paul speaks, I think it's second Corinthians. He says that um, he says many, he says over 500 of you. He's talking to the Corinthians. 500 of you saw him alive. And, and, and 500 at one time, uh, many of you who are still alive, he says. So some of the people who had seen him had died by Paul's time, but many of them were still alive. In other words, by the time the, the, the rest of the New Testament documents are written, there were still people alive that saw the resurrected Christ. In that one instance, the Bible tells us 500 Uh, Over 500. So my guess would be, goodness, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands in the 40 days uh, saw
0: him alive. So these people that do subscribe to the conspiracy theory that the disciples made it all up. Yeah. It's sort of discredited by the fact that it would be a pretty grand conspiracy if there were thousands who saw him before his crucifixion and saw him after his resurrection. Yeah. That's not a no. little click that knows it and let's just keep it all no, our little right. plot, let a me, secret. Let me give you an example. This is a very
1: public thing. That's right. Very public thing. Let me let me just give you an example. Let's pretend like that you and I were going to pull off a hoax so that we'd be famous. And I said to you, listen, Mike, let's fake my death and let's fake my resurrection and we're going to do it good. We're going to do it good. And let's say even with today's technology of being able to maybe put me to sleep to where I look like I'm dead, maybe even a doctor could put his stethoscope on my heart and say, oh, he's dead, but I'm not. you know. And let's say we're arranged it where you buried me and you better by gosh come get me. (laughs) But let's say three days later somehow you arranged it where I come out next thing you know I'm walking around Milton people say oh he's risen from the dead and here's Mike Bates you're my right hand man and you go around town telling about it. I told you he was and and I present you as a prophet and you present me as the Christ and people follow us and they worship us and throw money at us and everything's going along wonderful and then one night you and your precious wife and children are riding home and a car pulls you over and guys get out with shotguns and they stick them in the faces of your children and say Now tell us the truth or your children will die. You would tell the truth right quick, wouldn't you? Uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what history says? Millions of first century Christians under several emperors were given the choice. Renounce Jesus Christ or go to your death and watch your children die before your eyes. They gave of their lives and their children's lives because they were more assured of Jesus's resurrection than they were of their own life, Mike. Mm -hmm. All of the first century Christians were highly persecuted and or martyred. You're right. It could not be a conspiracy. Millions of people, thousands of people, hundreds of people don't die for a known lie. Listen, Mike, you can't get one person unless he's a nut, much less 12, much less hundreds, much less thousands or millions to die for a lie. And I just gave you the illustration. You wouldn't do it. I don't care how rich and famous we were becoming. If a shotgun was put in the face of your children and your wife and you said, listen, you confess this hoax or you all die, you would confess it. But not one of the Christians did.
0: So the resurrection really happened. Really did. What does that mean to people? personally, on, on a personal yeah. level, it, what does it mean? It means the world. It means eternity. It means you can trust
1: the claims of Jesus. It means you can bow your knee in his presence and find salvation and life everlasting. That's why when Jesus came out of the grave, it's recorded in one of the, one of the uh, uh, gospels where he told the disciples, he says, now that I live, now that you see me live, now you'll know you shall live also. It means that at a personal level, we can trust Jesus Christ with our eternity. Because for three years, he told everybody, when, when, where, how, why he would die, but don't worry, three days later I'm coming out of a grave to prove to you that I am capable of giving you eternal life, and only me. If I can give it to myself, I can surely give it to you. And so it means at a personal level, Mike, that I can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, please forgive me. I am a sinner in the presence of a holy God, and I trust my life. I trust my eternity into your hands. You gave yourself life. You've said you could give me life. I believe it. I believe in you. I give my
0: life to you. Please save me. That's what it means at a personal level. So this is a gift of eternal life, but it's a gift we have to actually reach out and receive, right? Absolutely. He's not going to shove it in our pocket. That's right. What do we have right. to do to reach out and accept that yeah. Yeah. Gift? It's a personal choice
1: that we have to make. God is a gentleman. He will not force himself upon us. He will not make us do anything when it comes to choosing him or receiving him or rejecting him. We have the personal choice. That's why throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we find commands like, choose you this day whom you will serve. <laughs> choose, choose, choose. The Bible ends in the book of Revelation with the very last chapter saying, and, and, and the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride with an invitation, an invitation. But that implies there is a choice. And so the way a person receives, no, you're not granted it automatically. No, God will not shove it upon you. No, it's not something that happens accidentally. It happens when you come to the realization that I need a Savior. I am going to die one day. My whole eternal life is ahead of me. Where will I spend it? What will I do with it? And I must bow my knee to the only one that went to a cross, the only one that rose from a grave, the only one that said he could bring me eternal life I bow my knee to Jesus to be saved
0: so the ultimate concise answer to what does the resurrection of Jesus mean it means that he really is the Christ he is the way the truth the life. And there's no other way to get to the Father but by Him.
1: That's what it means. It means He is God with us. As Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, God with us. That's what the resurrection proves. Of the 2,000 religious systems
0: in the world, there's only one with a resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful story and what a beautiful gift. We are, Carl, out of time. There's more information if you want information about this story or what you can do to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, go to www.hickoryhammockbaptist.org. It is an outstanding website, and you will get a lot more information there as well. Carl, would you please close us in prayer? I'd be glad to.
1: And so, Lord Jesus, today as we speak of the most holy of holies, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you've used this to encourage and inspire and motivate Christians, your children, and to bring lost to you. Maybe even a prodigal might come home today because of their realization they need to be back in the Father's house. Thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you for shedding your blood. But thank you most of all for an empty tomb that stands to proclaim, Jesus lives. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.